0: I would encourage anybody listening. If you have that little thing in your gut saying, I- I've always wanted to write a book, I've always wanted to share this story, I've always wanted to help people this way, just do it.
1: Hello there and welcome back to the my future business show. My name's Rick Nusky. I'm your host. It's wonderful to be back with you. Hey, look, if it's your first time here joining us on the show, welcome. If you've been supporting the show for any length of time, thank you so very much for that support. Now, I'm always on the lookout for wonderful guests that are doing amazing things in their business. And uh, today is absolutely no difference because I'm on the line with the wonderful Mike Capuzzi. Welcome to the show, Mike.
0: Hey, Rick, thank you very much, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity of speaking with you.
1: Yes, absolute pleasure to have you here. Now, you and I, we're going to be talking, actually, you're a world-renowned marketing strategist and Amazon number one bestseller, and you and I are going to be talking about little books called Shooks and how business owners, entrepreneurs, and CEOs can use these bite-sized books to leverage the power of being a short, helpful Book author inside their businesses. Now, there is certainly, as always, a lot to unpack about this particular topic. And you and I were just speaking briefly prior to the call and how I'd uh, come across your business or businesses uh, somewhere along the line. So we're going to sort of unpack all of that. But uh, tell me, where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from
0: Pennsylvania in the United States. So uh, it's evening. It's getting near evening time here. So, of course. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Very early morning here, I have to say. <laughs> now,
0: tell me, what do you love about the place? Well, having grown up here, I, I love the fact that it's uh, there's family here. There's a lot of history. I mean, this is the birthplace of America, Philadelphia. I live outside Philadelphia. So yes. there's a lot of history, which is very cool. Yep. But. Uh, we have a, my wife and I have a yearning to get out into the big mountains of the West and, and retire out there. So we'll see if that
1: happens. Oh, I love that. It sounds to me that uh, you like uh, getting out and about and doing things with your life. What do you enjoy doing? Do you have any hobbies or sports you enjoy?
0: Yeah. I mean, and they ebb and flow, right? Like our two daughters, yeah. we've got two daughters that are just getting ready to graduate college in a couple months. So, you know, for the last, 15 years, it seemed like all our hobbies <laughs> revolved around them. Yes, Not sir. necessarily true, but it felt like that. As a matter of fact, I was just looking at some old pictures on my computer right before we, we went live. I was like, oh, I was getting sentimental. But um, yeah, we, you know, I love being outdoors, doing outdoor stuff, whether it's anything from, you know, walking, hiking to hunting to just, you know, being out there and uh, enjoying nature. So that's probably my biggest hobby. I love to read.
1: Yes, of course. Yeah,
0: you know, love to read. I've been an avid reader since I was a little kid. Um, nothing, nothing too
1: crazy, Rick. Nothing too crazy at all. That's for sure and certain. Now, I wonder. You know, you just got me thinking. You know, time does fly with kids, doesn't it? You're so busy one stage, and next thing you know, you're you're at their graduation. I wonder. You know, I always think about what happens if I lose all my my images on my computer. Do you ever have, have those fears? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I've got backup of backups, so oh, I yes. think we're pretty good.
1: <laughs> Absolutely loving it. So tell me, do you uh, do you enjoy a movie now and again? Moving like in uh, no moving- movies.
0: Oh, movies. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm not. I'm not a hardcore. Like I rarely go
1: to uh, like a movie theater to go see movies.
0: So I'm not. I'm not that into that into them but yeah I enjoy my movies yeah right? yeah
1: absolutely now tell me given that your kids are growing up over the years what's the one thing that you think you've taught them that others might mm-hmm. learn from
0: uh, that's a great question I love that question as a matter of fact I've been uh, some insider baseball here so <laughs> they just left this past weekend to go back up to school move in my wife and I are going up in a couple of days just to bring some other stuff up have dinner with them yep and I realized Rick I, I don't know if you have kids or how old I do always, I have two I've I've always written a letter to them at the beginning of the semester, and I like would hide it in their suitcase or hide it somewhere. And I was just that's what I was looking on my computer. I realized I did not give them a letter this year as they were going up, so uh, I have to craft this letter. Uh And I'm, I'm I was reading through them just literally 10 minutes ago, and there was a mantra. One of the mantras I tried to instill in them, and I and I read it in a letter from probably 10 years ago to one of my daughters. Uh, it was something I said to them all the time when they were leaving for school or going out with friends. I, I don't know if I came up with it, but I like to think I did. <laughs> I always told them, I always said, be respected, be respectful. So I was always encouraging them to you know be respectful, of course, to friends, adults, whoever. Be respectful. I mean, the world needs more of that for sure. Oh yeah. But also be respected. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. Don't let anyone you know try to put you down or et cetera. So that was a mantra. I actually... A couple of years ago, I, was going to, I started noodling another book idea. And the book title was Be Respectful, Be Respectful. Um, never Hasn't seen the light of day yet.
1: I'm sure it will. You've certainly got some wonderful titles uh, in your library, as, as it were. Are you a pet owner? Do you love pets at all? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Dog owner. Yep. She's beautiful. not here with me now. But uh, as soon as we're done, we're going to take her on a walk. Oh,
1: beautiful. What sort of dog is it?
0: She is an English Shepherd. Oh, which, beautiful. We rescued her. We thought she was a mutt. Uh, and then someone told us, no, that's an English no Shepherd. Way. I didn't. I never heard of that breed. It's a real breed here in America. And uh, she's an awesome dog.
1: You know, I love this sort of uh, this phase of the call because, you know, we tap into people's lives beyond the businesses that they run. And I, I find some commonalities uh, in the world. Now, I know that you've had a lot of different experiences, but with all the people that you've worked through throughout your years. Might tell us is are there any commonalities that you see in people that are good?
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's just Take clarify. Little,
0: yes, yes, um, yeah. There, there's yeah. There's a lot, Rick. I would say one. The folks that I really, really enjoy working with are those folks that are avid students of business marketing. Just, you know, they're, they're they're always looking for constant improvement mm-hmm. and they're not afraid to learn. They're not, a, they're not, they don't, they're not, they don't have those blinders on. They're yearning to learn and do better things, serve people better, whatever it might be. So I think that's, that's one characteristic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think another one would be, you know, once you start getting into a deeper relationship with people, I am still dumbfounded just how, and it, it, it amazes me in all these years, A, just how smart a lot of people are. Uh, yeah. Like there's real like, they really have profound thoughts and deep thoughts. And, you know, oftentimes just how helpful people are. You know, they, they just want to do something without asking for anything in return. And uh, whenever that happens, I always sort of like, it just makes me feel good.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful feedback. You know, we, we certainly need to bring those people to the fore, and I'm hoping that many of the books that they're creating through your services are, 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 and enable them to do that. Now, you touched on learning, and it always gets me to thinking about in those formative years as you were growing up, did you have anybody that you looked up to that, you know, really inspired you to mm-hmm. take a, a certain path?
0: Yeah, my one, my, my one grandmother... Uh, and I've shared this story either on other podcasts. I think I even in some of my books. Mm. My mom's mom, so my mom's parents lived about two and a half hours away, and we'd have to journey up to upstate Pennsylvania to visit them. So we would go for you know a couple nights, a week, or whatever it might be. I used to spend summers. She, she my grandfather, her husband was a pharmacist. He was an independent pharmacist, so he had a little pharmacy. Oh yeah. And she was she was she worked in the pharmacy as a bookkeeper and an assistant but i can remember rick um being a very probably four or five years old and going up there and it was always a wonderful journey i always just looked forward to it Mm -hmm. and uh she had a big library and she was the one that really got me into reading she would encourage me to read she always had books Um, she was always giving me books and you know this was back in the 60s and 70s 1960s 1970s you know when i was my, when i was a little kid and then when i was in college in the 1980s i traveled and went to school my first year in texas mm-hmm. and my grandmother was still alive and she would write me every week i still have all these letters in my office oh, a right, hands throw from here yeah. um where she wrote me every week rick and just encouraged me and so yeah i i uh I owe I feel like I owe a lot to her. I miss her, she, you know she's gone now. oh but, yeah, uh,
1: oh look, uh, that's wonderful. And I really appreciate this because it you know brings that I guess that human side again once again to the call. Cool. Now I don't know about you, but i'm I'm a bit of an early riser. Do you like to get up in the morning and uh, early yeah. in the morning, and uh, what's the daily routine look like for you?
0: yeah, my you know I, I'd like to tell you I get up get out of bed and go right and start working out or go on a walk or something. I'd like to tell you I do it that way. (laughs) Sometimes I do. (laughs) But honestly, and and, and I've had people try to encourage me, like, ah, you know, getting up and getting outside and walking or whatever right away is is great. And I, I think it is. But I find I tend to be my creative window is strongest in the morning. Right. So I find myself getting to my desk fairly early on without much ado. Because that's when i i feel like I'm in—I'm in that mode. So I, you know, I do a lot of writing, I do a lot of creative thinking, a lot of you know, stuff that requires thought, whether it's my own business or clients' business. And I find, for me personally, the morning is when I'm like juiced up. So that's—that is my—that is my, that is my uh, sort of schedule: is to get to get to the you know, my office. Of yeah. You
1: seem to have a fairly busy mind. Do you do you struggle turning it off? And how how important is yeah. it for you to get away from the business occasionally and have a relaxation? Yeah,
0: yeah it is. It's interesting you say that. Yeah, I would say I have a creative mind. Or you
1: know, a busy a mind. Busy mind. Uh, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. I'm always thinking. It Probably drives my wife nuts. We'll <laughs> go out and like, we walk every day. We've been doing this for several years now. Really lost weight, got healthy, and um, yeah, you know, she just wants to go on a peaceful walk. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here coming up with ideas and talking about things. But I'm also very good. I, you know, I'm I'm basically an introvert, so I enjoy alone time. I can turn off fairly easy. Typically, I'm outside doing something, sitting, reading, just having a beer, whatever it might be, just quiet time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm very good about that. I'm very. I've always been very comfortable being alone or with my dog, and um, just relaxing. And I find oftentimes, Rick. That is a very, another very creative time for me.
1: Do you wake up of an evening, you know, some weird hours of a night and have a paper and pen and paper next to your side bed? Yeah. Do you have that? Yeah, I do. Tell me I'm not alone. No, it's not good.
0: <laughs> I have it. It's. Uh, I don't know if I have any next yeah. to me right now, but I have these little pads I got made up for clients. I would give them to clients, and I have a couple in a drawer next to my bed. Yeah. Um, uh. Yes, it, it happens. It, thank God it's not too often, but yes.
1: Yeah, sleep's certainly important. Now, now, tell me a little bit. We've got a, a lot of uh, business owners and startup entrepreneurs and authors uh, on the show. They love the My Future Business Show for the, for the reasons we get to speak to wonderful people like yourself. I'm wondering, can you share what your first uh, experience as an entrepreneur was like? For example, mm-hmm. mine was washing cars.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. Uh, interestingly enough, I was just interviewed yesterday on another podcast, also from the Asia-Pacific area,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he asked a question which prompted what I'm going to share with you. It was a different question. but uh, So my parents got divorced when I was uh, going into ninth grade, so I was about 13 years old. Now, the good news is they're actually still friends, so it wasn't a nasty divorce. It just, they were better it off just step them together, yep. right? So I, I went to live with my mom, I lived with my mom, and uh, I was, you know, 13, I suppose, 12, 13 years old. And we moved into a house that had about an acre of land. So it's you know, it needed to be cut by a tractor. I went out, I bought a tractor, um, a little used tractor, and I would cut the grass for her. But I turned it into my first business. So I was cutting neighbor's yards for years through high school um, on this little tractor I would take around, drive around the neighborhood. And uh, I, you know, I didn't even think of myself as an entrepreneur at the time. I just thought I was you know, earning money. But, um, yeah, that was, that was my first entrepreneurial, you know, opportunity. Yes. Yeah.
1: Now I wonder if from that point forward, um, um, time goes by as it does. And you, you went on to start, uh, other businesses. Tell us a little bit about, I guess, that part of your life, that part of your journey. What was oh. your first business, your first real business?
0: Well, I need to actually take a step because I, I, you know, I went to college mm-hmm. and studied engineering, yep. and I came out of college with an engineering degree, and I worked at an eng- local engineering company. So I was very fortunate. I got a job local, a nice job, right out of college, and for a number of years did that, and then I joined an engineering software company that was also local. It was a very small company. I was employee number fifty-seven, and I worked there for about. Yeah, seven or eight years. And over that time, Rick, that's where it was a technical role I was in, but I moved to a marketing role in this in this company I was working at. Mm-hmm. So that's where I started getting my first chops at marketing. And I traveled the world. I mean I this company went from very small to very large and I was doing the dot-com bubble and all that stuff. And you know, I traveled all over, was speaking, training, doing all kinds of very cool things. I met the woman who became my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, right at the height of the dot com era, which was 1998, I knew I, I knew it was you know it was a great job. I was making a lot of money, but I said, you know what? I finally just said I got to go out on my own. So 1998, I left the con the comforts of a corporate job and started a, a software marketing company, which I did for several years. And then there was many different versions of that and transitions.
1: Of yes, so. was it was there any element of fear and you know taking a risk on yourself? How was that for you? Because I know that a lot of people are so fearful that they are frozen and they don't do anything to start yeah. their own business. Did you yeah. have any of that? Probably. You know, I, I, it's, it's kind of a while ago. But, I mean, whether
0: it was fear of starting or fear of doing something new or fear, mm. you know, a marketing campaign or a new product or a new book or whatever it might be, I mean, it still can creep in, right? It still can creep in. We're all human.
1: So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there. It is certainly om- <laughs> omnipresent for some of us. Now, how did you decide that writing was going to be one of your key marketing strategies? I was always good at it. Mm. I always enjoyed it. Uh, I, you know,
0: I always wanted to be an author and I still, and I still tell it myself being today, like, I still want to be an author, but a different type. You know, I still never did a, a traditionally published book that, you know, people all over the world have seen and heard about. I mean, I've, I've had a nice level of success self-publishing, but uh, so there's still, you know, again, different degrees. But it was always, I just, I'm, I'm a pretty good writer. And I've studied the art and craft of marketing copywriting too. So that was a, something I've always wanted to learn and, you know, studied the greats from years and years and decades ago and, and the, the current greats. And uh,
1: I just enjoy writing. You know, I came across uh, your businesses and I purchased some of your products and I was very impressed with the, I guess, particularly the Shook book approach. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you, if you could, if you could tell us a little bit about What that is all about?
0: Yeah. So, before I do again, I'll I'll take one more left turn. Certainly, because it's a good marketing lesson. So, you know, I came up with this concept called a shook. A shook is a short, helpful book, and these are about one-hour nonfiction business books. But I think it's, it's it's instrumental, Rick, for your audience to know, like, why did I come up with this weird word? A lot of people like it. Some people don't. (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of people do what I do, which is help other people publish books. So much like here in the States, there's Burger King and McDonald's, and they each make hamburgers, one's got the bur- you know, the Whopper, one's got the Big Mac. It's very important for every business owner, every corporate leader to figure out ways to describe what they do in, in a way that sounds very unique to them, that is unique to them. And that sounds different than their competition. We all have competition. So how can you structure your products or services and make them sound different, make them be you know, packaged differently, branded differently? So A Shook is our brand of short helpful book. And again, as I mentioned, these are about one hour, 90 minute reads. They're very, they're intentionally short. They are about 15,000 words, whereas the average business book is 75 to 100,000 words. But because even though they're short Rick, doesn't mean they're any less powerful. You know, in our, we've done now over 240, you know, worked with over 240 authors. Mm -hmm. People, readers, consumers appreciate the fact that they're short, they can be read quickly. They're focused. They're not a super wide book. Mm -hmm. So that the reader likes it. And obviously the author, you know, I've published 19 short books over the years. I can do that because they're shorter books. And, you know, whereas, you know, a traditional book might take, Six, twelve, eighteen months to to create a show can be done in a matter of eight, twelve weeks. 8 and, 12 and, weeks and then either. the last thing I'll say is they follow a very formulaic model. Rick, I've developed this recipe, if you will, for you know literally everything from the first. I'm trying to grab one here, <laughs>
1: the
0: front cover to the back cover, and every almost literally every page in
1: between. In between.
0: A, a structure that works for most business owners and corporate leaders
1: now tell me um, I I know when I'm reading a book that's written by a machine and I know a book that's written by a human how important is it for your customers people you work with to be using their own brain rather than the electronic <laughs> AI type brain well
0: I mean listen that AI thing's only that's fairly new so I have not um, I have not personally encountered that. Again, I, I bought books on Amazon that you can tell. Yep. I was just talking to a client earlier today where he brought up the whole AI topic and what I instructed him on. Because our, I'd say 9 out of 10 of our clients, they we encourage them to write their own content. Of course, yep. We'll do some ghostwriting once in a while. But mm-hmm. regardless... We were talking about AI and AI is a very powerful tool as I'm learning more and more about yep. and using more and more. It's a great tool for brainstorming. It's a great tool for, you know, if you don't, you can't bounce an idea off of someone to bounce an idea off, you know, chat GPT or whatever. So it's great for research, creating outlines, stuff like that. But I agree 100% with you, Rick. Uh, I, I would never, ever take, at least this point in time in 2023 take the content of it and throw it in the book and call the book call it my book. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would ever do that. I think you can use it as an aid, but to rely on it a hundred percent I think Here, is a
1: big Here's a key. AI can never replace original stories coming from the source. It can't yeah. make up stories that you've lived. Yeah that's it? a great point. Absolutely. 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 You know, yeah. And uh, so look, I'm I'm sure and certain they're a tool, they're a guide, but they're certainly not the, the be all and end all, at least at this stage. Now, yeah. how many books have you written and you've got some you've got two Amazon bestsellers? Two of them we hit number one for a number of months. So they're like real
0: legitimate international bestsellers. The magic of yes, short uh, books and the hundred yep. page book. And then there's like 17 other books. Now some these some of the books, and this is kind of an insider baseball also, some of the books, Rick are not really published, right? We created them for an event or something. They were given out at an event or they were given out only as gifts for certain things. So, but yeah, uh, we're up to, I'm up to 19.
1: That's crazy. Now, they seem to me like something that you can give away and, you know, post to people to say thank you. There are so Mm -hmm. many different... I guess ways you could use them to market and promote your, yourself, your business, your colleagues. What are, you, what are you seeing is being the most effective uh, that you've done so far? Well, there's no one
0: thing. I wish, mm. you know, i would be neat if I could say, hey, just do this and you'll just do that. You know, yep. But, and by the way, the books that we publish are typically given away. I, yep. My yep. most recent book, which was just uh, released publicly this past summer. Uh, It's called the magic of free books and it's all about how to make money by giving away a book, which, you know, may not sound like you'd have to think about it for a moment, but these we're not worried about selling a book for 10 bucks and making a dollar. That's not what we're talking about. That's a whole other model, but that's not the model we're, we're focused on for our clients. Ours are marketing tools, sales tools. They are designed to be given away. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of very smart strategies, Rick. There's, you know, I'd say two-thirds of our clients are local business owners, the local doctor, the local dentist who does a, you know, a certain type of procedure and wants to be known for that. Um, so two-thirds of our clients are those, and then one-third are people like you and me that would have more of a worldwide audience. Mm-hmm. So for the local business owner, a really, really, really smart strategy, which a lot of our clients use, is they'll either you know, display multiple copies of their book in a strategic partner's place of the business. Ah. So we had a dentist who had a very interesting way of treating teeth. It was a very natural way of treating teeth. And he put his copies of his book with a little sign. I have it over here. You know, free book, take one. And he worked with local gyms, local yoga studios, local natural food stores, places where people who are really in tune with their health would hang out mm-hmm. and see this book, free book and take it and, you know, People turned into patients. So that local strategic partner strategy um, is very powerful. And then obviously online, there's all kinds of things you can do
1: lead magnets and all that sort of wonderful yeah. direct response marketing type stuff that you know, you know, a very great deal about. Now, I'm I'm wondering, you know, um, when somebody comes to you, how do you meet them where they are in their business? Because they may not be writers, they may have a writer's block, they go, well, hey, I've got no idea about how to do this. How do you how do you onboard them? How do you help them well, get started? Ours,
0: yeah, so I told you, I had this engineering brain, right? So we have a very formulaic, It's been very successful. Um, It's very simple. I mean, if you know anything about me, I have a, you know, my, one of my factors of my reputation is that I can make complex things simple. Um, So I've always been very good at that. So it's a step-by-step approach, Rick. They, all our clients work directly with me. So I'm working directly with them through Zooms, through phone calls. And uh, we just take them step by step. And you're right. A lot of folks, you know, initially will think, well, how am I going to do this? But we make it, you know, we we approach it in a bite-sized manner. One bite, another bite, the next bite, you know. And uh, (laughs) before you know it, you know, you're you're eating dessert and your book's done. So
1: Makes good sense that you call it bite-sized books, you know. I'm wondering, are you writing anything at the moment yourself? I have, I can show you on my computer
0: here. I I have a working document of, I think, probably four different (laughs) books. Book ideas right now. I don't. Yeah, you know, you get bit by the bug, and then yes, the answer is yes. Too early to say what, I, I but I do have a couple ideas that I'm working on for the next book.
1: I'm just wondering: is there an optimum dimension for a physical book of this nature?
0: Well, we we all our shooks are a very specific dimension. So most here in the states, and I don't know what it translates to, like in Australia and Europe, mm-hmm. but. The traditional business book sizes are six by nine, six inches by nine inches, five and a half by eight and a half, or maybe five by eight. That's your traditional go into a bookstore, get something from Amazon. So again, when I was formulating the shook, you know, recipe, if recipe, you will. Yep. I um I wanted to come up with something different. So they call it the trim size. The the, the size of a book is called the trim size. The trim size of a shook is five inches like 5.06 by 7.81. So it's a little smaller. So yep. it's you know, matter of fact, one of my good buddies, where is it? Oh, it's somewhere here. Oh, here it <laughs> he just sent me this today. So a friend of mine, he's a business colleague. He was a longtime client. We've done, we've co-authored a book. He just sent me his brand new book. It's called The Space for Leadership. Excellent. But you can see I, I don't know if people are going to see this, but you know the size difference is there's a standard business book and here's a yeah. shook. And it's just, you know, it's a little bit different size. And that causes a bit of a pattern interrupt and it just makes people, you know, just, it feels good.
1: It's It's a good carry on size. If you're traveling, you know, -hmm. know, we've got laptops and we can just slide it into there now. And that was done
0: very intentionally, very intentional.
1: Ah, so there's, again, this comes back to the the formula that you talked about earlier and I actually read it on your uh, website, which I'd love for you to talk to us about in a moment. Now, once, uh, you know, we talked about storytelling a little earlier, and I find it very interesting to learn about people's stories. Do you have a component in your formula that allows for the telling of stories?
0: Mm. Interesting question. So, yes and no. Mm. Uh, there's nothing, and now you got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, again, in our recipe for a shook, we literally break it out chapter by chapter what to put. Now we encourage stories in the introduction, in the who should read this book, in the main matter, in the, in the next step sections. We encourage it, but you know, it's interesting you say that because no, and I could see that. I mean, that's the nice thing about doing what we do. It evolves. As I see things that work, we add them. Yep, you know, things yep. that don't work, we take out. But yeah, there's no reason why there would not be a more of an intentional story section um,
1: to a shook but other than leaving it in if the shoe fits they say yeah yeah (laughs) now look mike i can see on your website you've got literally hundreds of satisfied ecstatic even um customers people business owners entrepreneurs that you've worked with you touched on it earlier you've you've talked about dentists and doctors is can this be applied to anyone can anybody benefit from having a shook well again we only work with business owners, entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So we're
0: writing nonfiction, business-oriented stuff. However, my daughter, when she was going into her senior year of high school, published a short, helpful book uh, on dog, dog rescues, us. right? <laughs> and she used it to raise a lot of money for dog rescues, but also it turned out it was very advantageous for her as she was applying to colleges. So the answer is, I do believe, Rick, I would love to have a challenge where I could just you know, help any obscure, you know, niche person niche whatever like yeah even a a pizza shop owner i i wanted to work on a shook for a pizza shop owner but um you know it's it works best for people who either have a complicated product or service that needs some description or they have a high ticket offering um so there's certain niches that are definitely can benefit quicker and faster um but yeah i think you know the one thing I'll say, Rick, and I know you're an author. I think we're going to have you on my show here in the oh, future. Oh yeah. yes, I'm very excited um, about it. So, you know, the thing about being a book author is, if you write a good quality book, mm-hmm. you don't know who it's going to help, but chances are it's going to help a lot of people. You just you don't know. People don't. Not everyone leaves your review. Not everyone emails you. Not everyone comes up to you at, at an event and says your your book changed my life. But if it's a good quality book that you know fixes a specific, you know, solves a specific problem or helps with something, it's going to have an impact that you'll never know about. And the sad thing is a lot of people won't have that impact because they're too afraid. They just don't do it. So I, I would encourage anybody listening, if you have that little thing in your gut saying, I, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to share this story. I've always wanted to help people this way. Do it. Look at what I do. There's so many resources out there. Just do it.
1: Yes, that's great feedback. I've absolutely loved this call. You know, time flies when you're having fun. I'm just wondering uh, before we wrap up, Mike, if you could share a little bit about um, com and what people are going to find on that website, in particular, your author program.
0: Yep. So Bite Size Book is our publishing business website. Um, my main site's mikecapuzzi.com. So mm-hmm. you, both of those. And then our, our podcast is The Author Factor, authorfactor.com. I was going to ask you about that. Those, those, those are the three. Again, in hindsight, I probably should have just kept one. But you know that marketing <laughs> mind. All I got to have a website. Um, so, but Bite Size Books does describe It introduces you to the kind of clients we work with best. It, it, it introduces you some of our authors. And it... You know, Rick, I don't hide anything. Our pricing is right on our website. We're yep. very fairly priced. Um, and, yeah, there's some great information there. You can, you know, w- you know with your permission, um, I- I'd like to offer your listeners a-, a chance to even read three of my Shooks for free.
1: Oh, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Well, look, uh, if there is any business owners, uh, you know, book authors, entrepreneurs, startups, whatever you are, if you're in this realm, let's say, and you're interested in learning more, certainly uh, below this post, you're going to find some more information that will link you back to Mike and all of his wonderful work. And you can learn more from Bite Size book, mikecapuzzi.com. Again, those links will be available to you. And uh, Mike, with all that being said, I've absolutely loved this call. Thank you so very much for joining me on the show today.
0: Rick, I appreciate the opportunity.